If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And I love reading uh, what is known as the wisdom books. And when we read the wisdom books, Proverbs is a wisdom book. Ecclesiastes too is a wisdom book. Uh, Ecclesiastes, as we're, uh, as we know it and we're reading from this morning, uh, is, is basically in, in many ways, at least, it's a summary of the life of Solomon. Solomon, when we come to Ecclesiastes, has come down to the end of his life. Um, Solomon has been very successful. Solomon, in, even in comparison to modern day times, he would, he would be of, of the likes of, um, uh, of, of the wealthiest people and the most su- successful people of the world today, uh, and I was start, I was going to name names, but I won't, I won't call names, but, but he, he would have been there with the, 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 the most, what is considered to be the most successful people of the world. So Solomon has, one would could say he's probably seen it all and he's done it all and he's, he's achieved everything. He's probably what most of us would like to be in life in, in many, many ways. But let's go to the scripture and just read just a little bit from this night verse. Man, my text is dim. Sorry. Ecclesiastes 9, begin reading at verse 3. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live, and afterward they join the dead. I want you to think about that first verse. He said, this is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. This is the evil. He's talking about the evil that occurs. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil and there is madness in their hearts while they live and afterward they join the dead. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die. But the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, their jealousy have long since vanished, never again, and they have a part, and that again will they, never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Go eat your food with gladness, and drink your wine With a joyful heart. I want you to pay attention here who God is talking to. Beginning in, well, Solomon is talking to, I should say. In in verse 7, Solomon is writing to the dead. Okay? He's writing to the dead. Not the physical dead, but the spiritual dead. In verse 7, he says, Go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart. For God has already approved what you do. Although, always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. 
all of your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life and in toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. Wow. Upon reading these things, there is much to be learned. And I want to preach to you this morning, the men within the man. Solomon's worst enemies. Solomon's worst enemies were the people that lie within him. The men that lay within Solomon were his own worst enemies. Now, I don't, I don't mean to give the devil any credit this morning because he's due no credit. But, you know, a lot of times, and one of my favorite sitcoms throughout all of the ages, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dated, okay, I realize that, but one of my favorite sitcoms still yet today is Sanford and Son. That's back when TV was good, you know. And, and, and in Sanford and Son, you, you know, uh, uh, we, we, we would, we would, uh, hear things like, well, you know, you know, it, it, it was the devil that made me do it. And there was a comedian named Flip Wilson. That was his, he pinned that line very well. You know, anything that happened with Flip Wilson when the comedian, he was a black comedian, he said, the devil made me do it. The devil gets a lot of blame. And certainly it's due. But at the same time, we also, I want you to realize this morning, there is an inward fight that goes on in every single one of our lives, and it's the fight with self. It's the battle of the flesh. Upon reading these writings of Solomon, when you study Ecclesiastes, uh, you know, we could actually, if we sit down and read them and we put them in context, we could easily become depressed. And certainly, I, we don't want anyone to be depressed this morning. But it's the account of, of this man that had great success, so much notoriety, yet it is a man that is now down to the end of his life, and this man is empty as can be. Now, sure, he has his wealth. He has, he has his wealth. He has all of his wives. He has, uh, uh, you know, of course, we, we, you know, we know he didn't have cars back then, but, but to bring it to a more modern day perspective, he had all of his cars in the garage. He had his, he had his lifted trucks setting out back in the yard in big parking lot, nothing but, nothing but four wheel drive lifted trucks. None of them squatted in the back though. They was all setting level. They all had leveling kits on. You know, he, he had boats. You know, he was, we went down to the lake yesterday to the senior picnic and they launched out over 120 bass boats in that fishing tournament. Shoom, 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 shoom. I, I thought, you know, I was, I was loving it. You know, it was foggy and all you could see was all these lights going down the lake early of the morning letting those things go and while I would not consider I would not be, want to be in one at all it just amazed me those things going down the lake and nothing but the props sticking in the water Solomon had all of that Solomon probably had pontoon boats Solomon he had he had hot air balloons he had anything that you could think of Solomon had because he, he had everything under the sun he was successful he had it all but yet, it's down to the end of his life, and Solomon looks at his life, and he says it's all vanity in a, in a earlier passage. He says it's all vanity. It all is meaningless. Rude. 
and worthless is what vanity means. He said, it's all vanity. It's all, it's all worthless. It, it has no meaning. It, it has no substance. But this was a man that we would look at even in the modern day time that we live in and say, this guy was one of the most successful. He, he, man, he was in, he was on the cover of Forbes magazine. You know, he, he, he was on, he was on any other magazine. He was in on the front page of U.S. News. He, he was, he was not just one of the top ten. He was one of the top five. No, no, no. He was the most successful man on the face of the earth, but now he finds himself empty. So this morning I want to dissect the, the, the scripture and the story of Solomon just a little bit to you. And, and time won't allow for us to go into great detail. But I'm covering this quickly and I'm going to cover it uh, uh, in, 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 in five different aspects of, of where we can find ourselves in life. I want to reveal to you the, the men within the man Solomon in four, in four points. And I want you to note... When I say men and man, ladies, I'm not being gender specific. I'm not going woke on you this morning, but I'm not being gender specific. I, 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 when I say man, me, in other words, ladies, this includes you. Because the wants that ladies have in life are just as much as the wants that men have in life. The desires that women have, the achievements that they want to, are just as large and just as real as the men. The first thing that we see is that within Solomon there was an entertained man. We see the entertained man, we, we find in verse 3, gives us some indication of that, 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 that he, he, all the hearts of people, they're, they're overtaken by their hearts, they're overtaken by the wants and the desires of pleasure. The entertained man is the pursuit of pleasure. Our hearts crave pleasure. If you don't think that your hearts crave pleasure, you tell me why somebody, some company or some woman named Dolly Parton can build a amusement park and spend billions of dollars on that park and we spend our hard-earned money. Some people even go in debt to buy season passes or tickets to go there to get on a piece of steel that takes you up and down and all around and twists you sideways and and make some of you throw up on the ground, and then and you go that, and you say that is fun. They call them roller coasters, but we spend lots of money indulging ourselves in that, and people spend lots of money creating those atmospheres because it makes lots of money. Our flesh craves, our flesh craves entertainment. Why do you think that the movie industry is so powerful in the world today? Why do you think that, that there's satellite dishes on top of our, your houses? And, and, and I, yes, I can say your houses because there, well, there is a satellite dish on top of our house, but it's been disconnected now for five years. Not that we're not giving over to watching TV at all. It's just that I got tired of paying that $125 a month. When I could use it for a whole lot of other things. We are given to entertainment. We are driven to entertainment. Our flesh pursues it. In fact, if you read in, in, in the Bible confirms that in Hebrews 11 and 25, when we look there, it, the Bible establishes that there is actually pleasure in sin. 
But it lasts only a season. It's only a temporary circumstance. Solomon now is realizing, I have found myself that all this life, all that I've done, all that I've achieved, all that I've acquired, all that I've accumulated, it's all, now I look at it and I find out it's a temporary circumstance. You see, that's what the Hebrew writer is writing about. Uh, our money flows out of our heart. I mentioned amusement parks. Do you know that, that $12.4 billion was spent in the amusement park industry in 2021? I'm not saying it's not wrong. I love going to, you know, to certain ones. I don't, I'm not a big Carowinds fan, but I like, I, I like Dollywood especially. You know, that's, that's probably my favorite. Uh, but 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 in 2021, and listen, that was a year uh, that was still in COVID, and 12.4 billion dollars spent in the amusement park industry in 2021. The the amusement crowd, that's us. We spent. billion in the movie movie industry. $36.8 billion. Wow. And that's something to think about. A whopping, listen to this, cover your, if you got young children, cover their ears, a whopping $63 billion was spent in sexual entertainment in America in 2021. See, our money is where our heart is. And this is not a, this could be a message on tithing, but it's not. But we spend our money where our heart is. Uh, Last but not least, we spent $646 billion in outdoor recreation thanks to COVID-19 in 2020 and 2021. I want you to think about that. You see, you see, Solomon was, he sought entertainment. He, he, he sought pleasure. And I, I'm not saying it's wrong for any of us to have fun. I'm not, I'm not saying it's wrong for any of us. The average American, the average American, which has an average across the board income of $36,000 a year, spends $2,900 a year being entertained. That's roughly 8% of what we make gross. We spend in some type of entertainment. So 10% tithe doesn't sound too bad, does it? So, so, so we, within us, within Solomon and within us, there is a desire to be entertained. Now that goes different places with different ones of it. You know, uh, you know, Sarah and I had, we had the Harley Davidson sitting out in the garage. It ain't been robot like three times this year, but it's sitting there in the garage. It's entertainment. You know, I like, I like my music instruments. I like, you know, and I can excuse myself and say, I like my music instruments because I play them for Jesus. Well, bless God, how many can I play for Jesus? And, and between my son and myself, and, uh, last, the last inventory we did, there was over 20 instruments between just the two of us. How many can I play for Jesus? You see, we find ourselves sometimes fighting back, having to fight back that, that man that wants to be entertained. That man, that man or that, that woman 
that wants to be pleasured. And, and we have to resist because that's not the most... You see, there's nothing wrong with being entertained. There's nothing wrong with amusements. There's nothing wrong with, with having fun. And in fact, in our life group this morning, you all missed a good life group if you didn't join us. And I'm sure Barry had a good one as well uh, in Bible study. But but the truth of the matter is the, the Lord wants us to have pleasure. He wants us to have laughs. He wants us to have good times. But those things cannot become our God. For if they become our God, then our God is not really our God. Enough of that one. I'll go on to the second man. That looked. The second man that did lay in Solomon was the survivor man. Survivor 43 is getting ready to start. Y'all seen this commercial? Survivor 43. I didn't watch Survivor number one, so I can't tell you what happened in the other 42 that happens in between, you know. But Survivor 43 is getting ready to start. It, it, it you know, it, it's, it's, it's 22nd anniversary of the show, and if you like it, it's okay. I'm just not into the reality TV. You know, I told you what I like. I, I mean, I still like, we watch Hogan's Hero nearly every night, except right now, you know, apparently the satellite signal on, on the antenna is messed up. But but in that in that game show or, or that reality show of Survivor, people do whatever they have to do to survive. I figured that out. I've watched it just barely enough to know that. that they'll do whatever they need to do to survive. In an effort to survive, whatever they do need to do, what, whatever's necessary to stay alive, whatever's necessary to stay in the game, even if it means dishonesty or using sabotage or betrayal or whatever else you can think of, that's what they do to stay in the game. You know, there's people that do that in the game of life. There's people that do, they'll, they'll do whatever. I worked with a fellow many years ago, God rest his soul, he's passed away now. And this fellow was hired into the company that I worked with. And, and, and this fellow came in and he made the announcement to all of us, all of his peers, all of his co-workers when he came to work for the company. He said, fellas, i tell you all one thing before I even start. He said, I came to work for this company to make it to the top and I will step on whoever I need to step on to get there. And that's what he attempted. And he succeeded in that for a period of time. Until it came time to start reducing staff. And the tree got pruned from the top down. You know, we, we, we live in a time when, when, when ambition and, and, and if you would survivorship, it drives us and it drives us and sometimes it may even cause us to be less than what God has called us to be. Sometimes it may cause us to do things that God didn't call us, call us to do. Sometimes, and, and we see with, 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 with Solomon, and we, if you study the life of Solomon, and again, I apologize, we don't have time to go into great detail, but, but when the person that has little regard for those that are around them, and, and their, and their survivorship, or their, their, their striving for success becomes a greater desire, or a greater passion for them than the people around them, we have missed God. We've missed God. I know this is making y'all want to shout right now. Solomon, within Solomon was the tribal man. The survivor man, we could look at verses 4 and 6 and and pull out of that the survivor man. But in verses 9 through 7, we see the tribal man. 
The tribal man is that that person or that woman, that man or that woman that uh, they're taking care of their four and no more. You know, me and my three, you and your four and no more. Their motives are closed and their affections are self-centered. The tribal man, and if you study the life of Solomon, you find this. The tribal man, his circle of friends became very small. Now studies, psychiatric studies and psychology studies have told us that, that most of us only have just a very small circle. Even those that have the greatest social skills, the circle of true friends is very small. But if we're not careful in our life, we can become so self-centered. We can become so tribal, if you would. We can become so self-contained that when it comes down to the end of this... I saw a cartoon on social media a while back and it and it had this guy and it was his funeral and there was only like three people at his funeral and somebody in the in the, of those three people that are sitting in the congregation for the funeral said, I, this is unbelievable. He had over 5,000 friends on Facebook. You know, sometimes social media will lead us to think that, that our scope is large and our scope is big and our and, and we're not well known and our, our relationships with other people are, are healthy and good. But let me tell you, they call it media for a purpose. They're, they're, it's called virtual for a reason because there is... We, we, we don't really have a connectivity. It's a, it's a faux circumstance. It's not the real thing. And, and I see people today that, 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 they're, they're becoming tribal and their circle of friends and even COVID may have pushed us into that where we have become very close people. But let me tell you what, everywhere Jesus went, he went where there was a crowd. Where Jesus went, the crowds followed him. If there wasn't a crowd following him, he went to where a crowd was. God is calling us to be people of community. You study Solomon's life and Solomon became a very close man. He became a very close community and he became a very, uh, a, a very centralized man. And then we find the working man. I like that old, I'm a Merle Haggard fan. Okay? I admit. Merle Haggard sung that song. Hey, hey, working man. Working man like me. Ain't never been on welfare, but there's one thing you might see. And that's see me working. As long as my two hands are fit to use. That was Merle. I wish I'd have wrote that song. You know. But you know what? When we begin to think about a working man, working, I think working is one of the greatest admonitions. You know, know, it's one of the greatest feats that any of us can have. And and ladies, I understand a lot of you are homemakers and and what have you. And a lot of you are not able to work anymore, but you've worked hard in your life. Working is one of the greatest. You have been hardworking. Vicky was bragging on Nathan in life group this morning. She said he loves to work. He works all the time. That's, that's a, that's a great feature. But when we read verse 10 and we think about verse 10, he, he you know, Solomon, he, he, he saw the need of work. He, he, he was a go-getter. He just, this, everything wasn't handed to him. Everything just didn't fall in his lap. 
In fact, we find that the Scripture even instructs us that whatever we do, we need to do it with all of our might. So working hard is good. But here's what happened in the life of Solomon. Solomon was looking for peace or appeasement in his works. In his works. I had a, a most wonderful aunt. She was like my grandmother more than an aunt. And, and bless her heart, bless her heart, I heard her so many times, I'm done my good deeds for today. God is going to bless me for my good works. And listen, there are good works. You know, and faith, the Bible says without works is dead. But let me tell you something. You know, there's an old, another old song. I'm just full of old songs, okay? There's an old song out, another old country song, and it said, work your fingers to the bone and what do you get? Bony fingers. Some, some of y'all remember. Work your fingers to the bone and what do you get? Bony fingers. Let me tell you something. We can work and we can work and we can work and we can even do good works. We can even do kingdom works. But if our heart is not in the right place with God, when it comes down to the end of the road, our works will be cast into the fire and they will be consumed as wheat and stubble and straw, according to the Scripture. You see, because it's not about what we do as much as about where our heart is. Solomon worked hard for everything he had. He had achieved much in life. He achieved more than probably any of us in this room. Perhaps all of us in this room combined will ever achieve. But he had missed God in his heart. His works now were coming to an end and his works would do him no good. Now, God's going to reward us for our works. But our works must be done with the purity of heart. You see, we, we sometimes, if we're not real careful, we will look... We will ask for good works. We will have the anticipation and the desire that good works are going to fix everything for me. You know, uh, you know, we want something from God. So we do a good work thinking that God is going to give us something for our good work. We do great things for God thinking that because I do great things for God, I get to go to heaven. Let me tell you something. There is only one way we get to heaven and that's through and by the work of the man Jesus Christ. It's It's not about what I can do. It's not about where I can go. It's not about how much I can give. It's not about, uh, you know, whether I uh, do janitorial work or I'm doing children's church. It's not about whether I'm leading music or if I'm being the pastor. It's not about if I go out here and feed the poor every week. It's not about if I go out here and clothe and clothe the naked every month. It's not about that at all. Those are things that are all important. They're all good. But understand me, without a relationship with Jesus Christ, we are doing nothing more than working our fingers to the bone. And we will end up with bony fingers. You see. But sometimes, and this happened to Solomon, Solomon was was appeased by his, he was, in his mind, he was appeasing God by good works. He was satisfying his, his convictions by good works. Good works are wonderful. They have their place. Don't misunderstand me. But good works are not going to merit you God's favor. What is going to merit you God's favor is a relationship with Jesus Christ, His one and only Son. Works will add to, added to that, bring forth works. Faith without works is dead. 
works will 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 uh, it will edify and it will it it will show forth your faith in God. But let me tell you something: all of your good works, if you're doing them apart from knowing Jesus Christ, thank you. But that is about as much as you are going to get because you need faith in Jesus Christ. And Solomon, and you know, and, and if you understand chronologically, you understand the order of events. Jesus, Jesus is still in heaven when Solomon is reigning. Jesus is still in heaven with his father. He had not become Christ, the incarnate Savior, yet. And and, and we're we're under the law here. And Solomon, but Solomon still had an, a knowledge of God, of Yahweh, of who he was. Solomon come down to the end of his road and he knew he had accomplished much. But it was all vanities. We can't depend on works for our justification. When we read the scripture, this is the the man, this is the man that we want inside of the man. It's the man that says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Being the man, woman, boy, or girl that God has called you to be. It's being a godly man or woman. It's being a spiritually minded man or woman. We find in the scripture, the scripture teaches us to be carnal minded is Enmity, in other words, uh, an enemy of God. To be carnal-minded, carnal-minded is, was exactly was Solomon's problem. Solomon was carnal-minded in everything. Solomon, listen, Solomon's life was all about one person. Solomon. It was all about Solomon. And you, you and I, our lives can't be about us. Our, our lives have to go much beyond us. If, if, if we're serve, listen, there is no way we can serve Jesus without serving one another. That comes from my friend James Bilbrey's, the one of the greatest educators I've ever been in con- contact with. To be carnal minded is in, in, enmity with God. In Solomon's estimation of life under the sun, we're nothing more than dogs. Go back and read it later this afternoon. In Solomon's estimation, our lives, we're nothing more than dogs. And in death, we're dead. And you, but you see, without the sun, he's exactly right. Without the sun, the S-O-N, not the S-U-N, under his S-U-N, the sun, we're, we're, his estimation, we're dogs, but under the S-O-N, the sun, we are much more than conquerors. Under the life of the Son, Jesus Christ, we, we, we are achievers. We have achieved eternal life through a relationship with Him. And though the flesh is still there, and the war still, the war still rages on, and, 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 the, and those four enemies that warred against Solomon, those, those four enemies that battled, that he struggled with, and, and, and he see, they seemingly prevailed over him, they are still fighting for us, but we have a greater champion, and that champion is Jesus. And if we will just cru- crucify this flesh every single day, realizing that as Jesus is 
his fleshly body was nailed to a cross, you and I must also nail our flesh to the cross every single day. And we must say, we must pray a prayer just like Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we must look up to heaven and we must say to our, to our Lord about our flesh, nevertheless, Lord, not our will, but your will be done. Because his will is what's so, so important in our life. You see that, to be that complete man, uh, I, I love what, uh, C.T. Studd, he was, he was a missionary and he died in the Congo, I think in the, it was around in like, like 1890 maybe or in the early 1900s. But C.T. Studd, he, he, he made this, this was actually part of a song, a poem that became a song. And the stanza says, only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. Our friend, uh, we love so well. Jim Hilliard was our was our conference evangelist for so many years. He he quoted that throughout all of his ministry that I knew. Only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. Paul said in Philippians, his letter to the Philippian church. Paul said, "For for to live, for me to live is Christ." And to die is gain. For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. And Paul was, Paul was referring to his physical death. But let me tell you something else. I think Paul fully understood and fully was aware of dying spiritually. We must die to ourselves. Our, ourselves will bring, our, ourselves within ourselves is only going to bring forth those things that I spoke about that Solomon warred with. It, it's, it's only going to bring about inter, the entertained man or the survival man or the tribal man or the working man. That's what the flesh, the flesh is going to cause us to labor. You know, uh, I hear, you know, I still hear them today. You know, it's a, it's a never ending argument about whether the Sabbath is Saturday or whether the Sabbath is Sunday. Well, quite frankly, yes, the Sabbath is Saturday, but we find in scripture the disciples worship the Lord. They worship to break away from the tradition, to break away from the religion, if you would. The disciples, the followers of Jesus worshiped Him on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. Today's the first day of the week. It's technically, it is, today is not the Sabbath. Yesterday was. But we're not, we're not observing the Sabbath. We, we, we worship the Lord. But yet we find that when God made creation, when He created, He created for us seven days. There are seven days. And in that seventh day, He set aside that was the day of rest. He designed for us to have a time to rest and a time to commune with Him. I want you to understand this. In the New Testament, yes, no, no, we are not Sabbath keepers in the sense that, because I, I think I've told you this before in 2012 when we went to Jerusalem, uh, we got, we got up, we, we got to Jerusalem and we were in Tiberias, uh, we got there on Friday night. 
And they had a big dinner for us. And we stayed in the Leonardo Hotel, very nice hotel. And there's about 20 of us in our group. And, and, uh, they had like all these, it's very modern, very modern, very large hotel. And they had all of these elevators there. But there was like two elevators that were marked Sabbath or Sabbath elevators. Now, those Sabbath elevators, the people that got on those were people that were practicing are very devout Jews. Because at 6 o'clock on Friday evening, the Sabbath or the Sabbath had started. And it would go to 6 o'clock Saturday evening. And and when when those elevators that were marked Sabbath or Sabbath, when those elevators would run, you just got on them. You didn't push a button for the elevator to come down. You didn't push an elevator for your floor. You got on the elevator and then it went first floor, second floor, third floor, fourth floor, fifth floor, sixth floor, seventh floor, eighth floor, ninth floor, tenth floor, twelfth floor, fourteenth floor. Because they didn't acknowledge the thirteenth floor because of superstition. But that elevator would go all the way up. 16 floors and it would come all the way down and stop at every floor because it was wrong under their law under the law it was wrong it was improper it was a breaking of the Sabbath for them to even push a button on the elevator I'm not bound to such laws I've been set free but Jesus said hereby you shall enter into a Sabbath of rest and because of Jesus Christ I have entered into a time of rest I don't have to labor. I don't have to work for my salvation. I don't have to work for my advancement into the kingdom of God. I don't have to work for my blessing. I don't have to earn my blessing. I don't have to earn my salvation. I I, I, I don't have to do any of that anymore. It is freely given by one man that gave everything that he had on the cross for me. And his name is Jesus. And because of him, I can enter into a time of rest. And I want to tell you, I would like to say that since the time I got saved, I've been at rest, but that's not altogether true because I was misguided and I was misled. I had inappropriate thinking. I thought I had to work my way into heaven even though I'd been saved. I thought I had to do things to get to heaven even though I'd been saved. But I found out that I can't do nothing to be any more saved than than the mercy and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I endeavor to please Him. I endeavor to work to advance the kingdom. Don't misunderstand me. But there is nothing, there is nothing, no nothing that saved me other than the blood of Jesus Christ. And His blood is sufficient to take me through. And I have entered into a Sabbath. I have entered into a a, a spiritual rest with Him because I know He has taken care of my sin death. Solomon, the great achievement. Solomon, the great king that had earned and gathered so much, he found out. In this life, it's his vanity of vanity. His surviving, his achieving, his self-centeredness, it costs him more than he ever bargained for. Ours will too. I'm not a Carrie Underwood fan. You are. I love you, but I'm not. I like Merle Haggard. Okay? Carrie Underwood wrote that song. Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from me now. My wife says that sometime about my driving. Jesus, take the wheel. But let me tell you something. 
I'm not a, I do appreciate the content of that song. Jesus, I just need you to take the wheel. I want you to bow your head. Close your eyes in this room right now. If you, you're sitting in this room and you may right now, in this moment, you may have never let Jesus take the wheel. I've got a message here I preached here. I think I preached it here before. Probably been a while. Maybe I need to pull it back out and, and do a rerun on it sometime. But you know, every single person in this room you're, that has an automobile, or if you ride an automobile, that automobile has it has a couple elements to it, hopefully. It has a steering wheel and it has a spare tire. That steering wheel is going to ensure that we can turn it and wherever we need to go, it's going to take us where we need to go. That spare tire is only in the trunk or under the mat or wherever it's at. That spare tire is only there for an emergency situation. Sometimes you and I, we're guilty of using God as a spare tire when He wants to be the steering wheel. You're sitting in this room this morning or maybe you're watching from home or driving down the road. But, but you need to make a commitment to the Lord. Maybe you're saved. I'm not saying you're unsaved. Maybe you're saved, but you need to make, you need to make that commitment. And, and maybe you're in this room and you've never been saved. Maybe you're watching and you've never been saved. You need to make that commitment. Listen, this life, the elements of this life, the achievements of this life are only temporary situations at the very best. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Is there one person in this room without any embarrassment? I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. Is there anybody in this room that would raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I need to give my heart to the Lord. One person. Is there anybody in this room that says, Pastor, I really need to dedicate myself more so to the Lord. I'm saved, but I'm not sold out. Is there somebody in this room that would slip their hand up and say that? Pastor, pray for me. I'm saved. Thank you. Are there any others in this room? Thank you. Are there any others in this room that would say that? Pastor, I'm saved, but I'm not sold out. I love this song Madison singing. Sing it a little bit louder. Give us some volume. It says, I give myself away, Lord, so you can use me. This is what I want to ask you to do. There's been a, there was a number of hands went up in this room this morning. Especially to the... I'm saved, but I'm not sold out. I want to ask everybody that can and will. I'm not, I'm not going to single anybody out, but I'm just asking everybody that can and will. Let's come up here, and we're just going to have a, a time of prayer.